Welcome back to Not Playing. I'm Lex. You're Lex. And you're Dan. Oh, yes. Yes, I am. I'm glad we got that figured out. But it's Not Playing, the show where everything's made up and the points don't matter, and where Dan and I watch movies that everybody else in the world has already seen, but we have not. Lex, 20 points to Gryffindor. Yeah. I understand that reference, even though I have not seen the movie Harry Potter. Wow. Okay. Well, that we'll put that one on the list. Um, nor have I read the books. I think I read the first one. And I bet You're a terrible human being. It's uh, okay. I'm not a big fan of fantasy. But you know what I yeah. am a fan of, Dan? What are you a fan of? I'm a fan of buddy cop comedies. Oh, boy. Have we got a treat for you. So to, the film we're watching together today is the original Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon, indeed. And I understand you have never seen Lethal Weapon. Lex hasn't seen it. Uh, you have, though. I have. Are you a times. fan? Uh, yeah, I am a fan, and we'll talk about some of the difficulties inherent in that after the movie. <laughs> but first, I would like to know what you know about Lethal Weapon. So I know that it stars Mel Gibson, uh, of whom I am not such a big fan these days. That's fair. And We'll talk about that, too. I... Uh, I uh, I know I think that Dan I don't want to say the wrong name and embarrass myself. Uh, is it Danny Glover who's in it? Danny Glover is in it. That he's he's the other main guy. He is I'm, the other main guy. I'm pretty sure I know nothing else about. It. I believe that they're cops. I think they work together. I don't know what a lethal weapon is. I think okay. that many weapons can be lethal. Sure. Yeah, uh, that's fair. I'm I'm guessing that this is my guess, and I, again, I have no. I I love when you guess. Hit I have no knowledge to base this on, but I figure that you know there are two cops who don't like each other, like. Uh, they get assigned together as partners. They hate each other at first. They've got a tough as nails boss who they report to at the precinct, and then they learn to love each other over time. I'm I not thought, you, like they I thought you hadn't seen this. No, I... basically, I think it's Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little more action than Beverly but, Hills Cop. I'm, I'm, so I would say I think it's the love child. Having not seen it, I think it's the love child of Beverly Hills Cop and Die Hard, two movies I've seen this season. Interesting, interesting conclusion. Uh, I think we'll have to watch and see. Uh, this is a 1987 movie, by the way, so it predates the original Die Hard, but it's it's pretty close. Okay. Um. And yeah, I think uh, you seem to know a lot. You know any dialogue? You know any lines? Uh, well, do I know any lines? I. It's possible that somebody will say some. I think and... you will recognize. There's at least one. I think you will recognize. Okay. Put it this way, and I will ask you. You know, and again, we'll talk about this afterwards. But you know, setting aside the Mel Gibson thing for the moment, just in pretend we are in 1987, watching this for the first time together, and just you know, accept it as it is. Okay, I'm I'm willing and able to do that. All right, great. Uh, I will do my very best. And you know, it's if if it's a good performance, it's a good performance. You can you can hate the player, but still like the game. I think is what they say. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know games, players. What are you doing? It's what's going it's, on? It's all very confusing. Okay. Um, before we launch into Lethal Weapon, 
I do want to. I want to take a moment, if you don't mind, to. Thank, I would love for you to take a moment. I want to thank Audible for their support of not playing. Audible is uh, sponsoring today's episode. First time sponsoring not playing. Audible. I've heard of them. They're the leading provider of downloadable audiobooks, and we have a special offer exclusively for our listeners coming up. Now, as you may know, Dan, Audible offers 150,000 books covering virtually every genre. Yes, even that one. If you want to listen to a book, Audible has it. You can listen to audiobooks anytime, anywhere. You can use your iPhone, iPad, Mac, PC, Kindle, and so on. I use my So On 9000 to listen to Audible audiobooks all the time, and it's great. Here's the best part. You ready for this, Dan? Uh, yeah, no, okay, I'm now ready. There was a pause, but now you're ready. Audible I, is I had offering, to prepare myself. Yeah. Audible is offering not playing listeners a free audiobook along with a 30-day trial. You Ooh. go to audiblepodcast.com slash not playing. That's audiblepodcast.com slash not playing to take advantage of the special offer. By doing so, you not only get the chance to check out a great service, you support our show as well. Can now, I you can I get any book? Is that what you're saying? Any audiobook that they have at Audible, you may get. Wow, that's awesome. And it's free because you listen to this show. What I'm hoping, Dan, is that you could recommend to our listeners uh, a, an audiobook available at audible.com oh, that I they would might love want to, to check out. I would love to do so. Uh, the book I'm going to recommend is a book called The Devil You Know by an author named Mike Carey. Um, I'm a fan of Mike Carey, who is also sometimes a comic book writer, but this particular book is sort of a, I, I know you're not big into fan, fantasy Lex, but it's kind of a, a mash be- mashup between a noir movie and like sort of that urban fantasy. There's like demons and the main character is a freelance exorcist, but it's written very much in the style of sort of a hard boiled detective novel. Uh, I really like it. It's a series that goes out for, I think they've, he's written five books so far. Um, a lot of fun. I noticed the other day that it was on Audible. So uh, something perhaps that you could listen to if you were so inclined. Narrated by a guy whose last name is Kramer, which I like. And uh, Amazon offers with, with many books, including this one, Whisper Sync for Voice, meaning Ooh. you can listen to The Devil You Know. And then when you get back to the Kindle book, it syncs to wherever you left off while you were listening, which is kind of magical, if you ask me. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, then you can like drive in your car when you're on your way to work. And then when you get to work, after having listened to it in the car, and you're not actually working, but you're sitting at your desk, you can read the book quietly so that nobody knows that you're reading a book at work. So once again, get your free audiobook and kick off your free trial at audiblepodcast.com slash not playing. But now, let's watch an even more special kind of audiobook, an audiobook with visuals too. Lethal Weapon by Mel Gibson and Friends. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Mel Gibson. No, that's not true. That's not even <laughs> slightly true. All right. I believe we've got the movie queued up till right after the Warner Brothers logo fades to black. If you're watching on Amazon Instant Video with us, uh, when I pause it, I have 149.18 left. I have the same. Um, so let's get underway. We'll hit play in three, two, one. Well, Lex, I have some news for you. I don't know if it's good news. Hit me. But that news is you have now seen Lethal Weapon, or as I like to think of it, Lethal Weapon 1. Lethal Weapon in the French. Uh, I enjoyed it. I'm glad to have seen it. Thank you for sharing it with me. You're welcome. You know, I noticed there was, a. I mean, besides Al Leong as Endo, who uh, we saw some crossover, I think there's like three or four guys in this movie that are also in Die Hard. And Burbank the cat and Sam the dog. 
I'm just saying, I think there's a lot of crossover, which I find amusing because these are, you know, they came out around the same time and they're, they're similar in genre. Right. I think Joel Silver may have produced both of them. I'm not sure about, um, I have to look that up for uh, Die Hard, but I think that's true. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, so hit me. What'd you think? Well, I liked it. You know, I, I thought that it was really a comedy but I think that in actuality, it's kind of, it's more, you know, Die Hard, I would say, is, you know, an action comedy film. It's got a lot of action, more more action than some comedy. But this was, like, not even quite an action comedy in my mind, as much as, like, an action dramedy, if you will. Sure. Uh, that's, that's a type of camel, right? Yes. It's the, um, really, it was, for me, it was the, the torture scenes that put me all over the edge. Yeah, like, sure. It's, it's not... You know, it's it's not a light-hearted '80s comedy, but it was pretty. No, funny. it's definitely on the darker side. It's definitely on the darker side. Like the the intentionally funny moments were definitely funny. I thought they played well. Uh, I found that there was less of the. Um, certainly, it feels like a movie from the '80s, and the cell phones aren't helping. But you know, it felt less uh, potentially offensively dated than some of the other '80s films we've watched together. You know, it didn't have any of the awkward, painful moments of like casual racism from Vacation or casual homophobia from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, etc. So I liked that aspect. Well, I mean, and you know, you've got this sort of, um, to a certain extent, the the relationship. You know, they're they're building bridges. That's right. You got a, the black and the white partner, right? I think that's that's part of what it's it's an inclusive. It's an inclusive movie. What I will say later oh, on, later in the series, they had Joe, Joe Pesci. So you know, you've got like that. That's you know, they allow short Americans in, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, I liked it. <clears throat> Excuse me. What I would say is, I mean, not that this is a movie where you're really supposed to. I think you know, analyze the story writing so much, but I found sure. that their friendship blossomed a little bit too quickly. He was like, "You're suicidal, and I don't like you that much." Oh, now you saved my life. Let's be friends. Like, I understand you were going to be indebted to the guy who saved your life, but it happened very quickly to me. And I would say that Mel Gibson gets pulled out of his funk very quickly, too. Yeah. Well, I think they wanted to get to them being like buddies, right? Sure. Like, that's, you know, there are, there are other movies I feel like that do that a little bit better. Have you ever seen um, L.A. Confidential? I have not. Okay. That's a that's a really good one. Maybe we'll watch that at some point, um, in which I think they do that sort of like people who dislike each other but eventually team up a little better. Yep. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I agree with you. This, this feels, it's definitely darker than Die Hard, which I think has a little bit more of a comedic bent and a little bit more of the ridiculous, like, you know, oh, all these guys are shooting at this one cop and they can't seem to kill him. Whereas this one, it feels a little bit, a little bit grittier in some ways. Um, I don't know. It's just, it it has a slightly different feel to it. I think it's a little, it has a, you know, it's not quite as much of a, it's more of a cop drama where the other one has like that heist element with Alan Rickman trying to steal mm-hmm. uh, all the money, and it's a little bit more fanciful in some ways. I feel like, right. but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I enjoy this. I enjoy this series in general, which ends up, you know, it's really about the relationship between the two characters, right? Yes. So, um, and I think that's what they sort of spend most of the series doing um, is building up these two characters, and they add more characters as it goes along. That sort of complicates their relationship, right? You know, yep. Mel Gibson eventually gets a love interest, and you know, there's some family issues and things like that. But you know, it's always these two guys who you know got each other's backs. Well, um, I like that. And about so, 
Well, yeah, you know, I think that's that's what's fun to watch in a buddy cop movie is it seems like there's actually a good relationship, even if we sort of skipped to that point. Yeah. Now, I did want to address, you know, the, the elephant in the room. Okay. Which is the Mel Gibson issue. Now, I remember as a middle, a middle-ish teenager, you know, um, watching the Naked Gun movies. Um, and I think late in the 90s, uh, I can't remember what year was, what year was OJ? Was it 95, 96, somewhere in there? Uh, yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, and so I remember having this discussion with friends uh, about, okay, like, you if you go back and watch The Naked Gun, are you watching a murderer? And I'm like, well, you know, he didn't, he hadn't, <laughs> so we're going to put all sorts of, like, legal disclaimers on this, right? Like, he hadn't are, murdered anybody. Are you watching an alleged murderer, I believe? <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, and so... But there's this whole question, I think, now, especially because celebrities, there's so much visibility and so much known about them. Um, how does that affect watching, you know, their work, right? I think this is this recently came up, right, with Woody Allen, too. Yeah. I think there was a lot of a lot of questions about that. Uh, and so I don't I don't know. Can can you separate it? Well, I'll tell you the truth. And I don't think that there's I don't think that everybody needs to go by my answer. Um, but I, I do. I, I think everybody needs to go by your. I answer. don't watch Roman Polanski films. I don't watch Woody Allen films. And until okay. this moment, I haven't watched uh, a Mel Gibson movie uh, since his first unsavory incident. I kind of swore them all off as I learned more about them and decided I didn't like them, just because I, uh, you know, I just I just think about the things I hate about them the whole time, and I don't like that. That's not fun. Now, in this case, at your instruction, I set it all aside. I was willing to watch. I don't feel like I betrayed myself, especially because, you know, that's fair. you're right. That's fair. This was before those things. Now It's a historical artifact to a certain extent right. of its time. And, you know, it's. I don't feel like the $2 I paid Amazon to stream this movie is really going to uh, thicken Mel Brooks's... Mel Brooks. <laughs> I certainly don't think it's going to have any impact on Mel Brooks's life. Mel Brooks, that anti-Semite. Nor do I think it will thicken Mel Gibson's wallet. Uh, so I was okay with it. But yeah, well, I mean, and I obviously I'm not in any way endorsing Mel Gibson. I, I feel much as you do that. Obviously, I, I don't wish to really support him going forward. Um, but it's difficult for movies that I've seen. You know, I, I saw this movie well before any of those unsavory things happened. Um, and certainly I think that's had an impact on his career. Uh, you know, you don't see a lot of Mel Gibson starring movies these days. Unless he makes them himself. Right. Uh, and even then, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, but you know, I feel that I can separate this in my head from the Mel Gibson who, as a public persona, in the same way that I do still watch Tom Cruise movies, even though I think he's insane. Right. But he's not as he's not offensively insane. He's kind of comically insane and sadly insane. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I don't feel that that impinges on me as a person. But there you have it. And I think, you know, honestly, I do think he gave a, a fine performance in this film. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Danny Glover did, too. <laughs> the, um, you know, you mentioned that you thought that this one was maybe a little bit more grounded in reality than Die Hard. I think that was what your point was earlier. And to a certain extent, I think there's a grittier feel to it. I think that's right. Ways. And uh, what I thought was nice is that there's no... Not that there's cheekiness in Die Hard, but there's no cheekiness here either where these characters in Lethal Weapon are very much in the world they're living and you feel that they feel their stakes are high, which I liked. Because, you know, it's, sure. you know there's, there's certainly plenty of lightheartedness, which I really appreciate, even in the, you know, 
scenes where lots of people are getting killed and shot around, there's humorous moments as they're carjacking people and causing L.A. traffic to halt sooner than it would have otherwise. But, you know, I, I just I liked the way that it, everything was played. It felt uh, it felt true to the movie. So I liked it. Would you watch further Lethal Weapon movies? Uh, with you, yes. On my own, probably okay. not. That that makes sense. I mean, I, I, they are made better by me. You and I are very much like Riggs and Murtaugh in some ways. Yes. Well, which am I? Um, I think you might be the Lethal Weapon. I think I might be too old for this shit. See, what's interesting is though, I thought it might. Would <laughs> you go the other way? Only because I'm, I have the wife and three kids. And so it's That's like I'm the, I'm the homebody, and I am suicidal and psychotic, <laughs> and I have great hair. Did you so have a, really? <laughs> did you have a beer for breakfast today? I did. It was delicious. I just poured on my cereal. Though. <laughs> I, I it is sad that his wife was killed in that car accident in this film, uh, ironically by a drunk driver, which Mel Gibson has also allegedly been. Um, maybe has convictedly been. I don't really know, but uh, it was good. And you know the. Uh, I didn't catch the Eric Clapton song, so whenever that happened, I missed it. But <laughs> I was I was caught up in the in the gunshots. It you know it it feels, I, and this is going back to a point I was making earlier. It's it of all the '80s films we have watched together this season on not playing thus far, it's the least '80s feeling one to me. I mean, again, really? the cell phones okay. really dated and the the clothes and everything else, but it didn't feel. It, but you could make this movie too, right? right? It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It didn't feel so anachronistic watching it. You could, you could mostly. For, it didn't feel like a period piece. Sure. No, I agree with that. I think, I think there's. I mean, in many ways, it is a prototype, right, of so many action movies that came after it. In the same way that Die Hard was. Yeah. Um. You know that that sort of rapport between these two characters, I think, inspired a lot of buddy cop movies. Um. But this one in particular, I agree, there's not a lot of issues with, like, there are some movies where you watch it and it's like, oh, man, if they tried to make this now, then somebody would just, like, you know, send them a text message and be like, hey, you should uh, do this thing. And it would totally circumvent the plot. I don't feel like there's a lot in here that really would be, you know, undone by developments just in general in the last 20, 30 years, right? There's, it doesn't depend on those sorts of things. It has a story that I think... Uh, is timeless. Yeah, <laughs> like like Shakespeare originally wrote it. Ye old lethal weapon. Yeah, and I did. Well, that's good. I wanted to check. Have you ever seen a loaded weapon movie? Uh, I can't say that I have. I've seen some of those ilk. I believe it's Loaded um, Weapon I... One, and it's uh, it's Emilio Estevez and Samuel L. Jackson. Okay, and uh, right. there's also a William Shatner. Appearance. Emilio Estevez also had, like Mel Gibson, a great head of hair in the eighties. Right, and I f- so I can see the resemblance. I feel like I have to see the film. Samuel again. Jackson as Danny Glover, though. No, I don't see. It. <laughs> it's I don't know. It's pretty good. I, I I really enjoyed the movie when I saw it, and I only knew like one of the movies being referenced in it. It has a Wayne's World parody at some point. Oh, but uh, Samuel L. Jackson, by the way, in a subsequent Die Hard movie. Really, I didn't even know that yes. was allowed. It is. It's encouraged. Jeez. Well, now I'm really gonna have to watch. I noticed also, by the way, the the police psych uh, psychiatrist psychologist that they show in the early scenes, who's talking about how uh, Riggs is unstable. Uh, she is also in Die Hard. So lots of crossover. Yeah. Well, I I just blew your mind. I you blew my mind. <laughs> There's really nothing more to be said. There's a lot of connections, but I so I will say I thank you for showing me this one. I. Uh, I feel bad because now I think you might be ahead in terms of showing me movies that I like where I'm showing you movies that you merely tolerate. 
Well, then, then this is the big moment, then, because uh, you've got some movies left to pick. I think you, I think you have two left in our in our current season that are your choice. And as I understand it, you're not a huge fan of comedies uh, or of stupid comedies. I should say. <laughs> I mean, I like comedies. I just, I, I think you and I sometimes have different senses of humor. We'll put it that right. way. Because I was thinking, um, there are. <sighs> Well, listen, John Syracuse has a rule that we are not allowed to watch Goodfellas together, so that one you have to watch on your own. Well, we can watch it together, right. just maybe just not, not on for the podcast. podcast. But um, I was at first I was leaning towards some Mel Gibson movies like History of the World Part 1. Um, <laughs> You're just terrible with right. this Mel Gibson, Mel Brooks Mel Gibson, thing. I liked, I've seen some Mel Brooks movies. Some Mel Brooks I, movies. I, I like Mel Brooks. But so there's, there's three in a row on the list that I have of movies you haven't seen that all feel like that just all blow my mind in in unique ways. And they are Coming to America, Beetlejuice, okay. and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Okay. And those are all excellent, excellent movies. Coming to America is far and away the funniest of the three, and it's another Eddie Murphy film. I like Eddie Murphy. I, I liked Beverly Hills Cop. Beetlejuice is, it. you know, very weird, but really good, featuring both Michael Keaton and Winona Ryder. And then Who Framed Roger Rabbit is, you know, it's not hilarious, but it was remarkable for its time. Sure. Uh, if I let you choose between the first two, well, I, I, I'm not. This is up you to you. Man. It? You I won't do it. You won't take the choice. I can't take All this right. weight from you. This is, this is your responsibility. We're gonna do coming to America. It feels more okay. in keeping with the tone of our. It, it seems so like a far. good choice. I, I, I approve of this choice. And uh, I, I mean, it's really funny. I haven't seen it in years now, but every time I watch it, I laugh. So I like our chances. All right. I look, I look forward to that. I'm ready to laugh. Right. I'm ready to laugh and and learn. And love, maybe. Far fewer torture scenes, by the way, than uh, <laughs> than Lethal Weapon. And I think you could probably say that about everything else we've watched this season. <laughs> good news for uh, coming to America fans who want to watch along with us next time. It is available streaming on Netflix. Excellent. Well, thank you, Dan. This has been a real pleasure. Well, thank you, Lex. Uh, I I hope we had a. I hope we. I don't. I I I I. I'm done. I'm out. You know what? Peace. I'm too old for this shit. Nailed it. You're not going to kill yourself, dude. We all know it. This would be a very boring <laughs> quadrilogy. Yep. Mel Gibson's in this movie for about five minutes. Actually, <laughs> yeah. for most two, of the movie, he's a, he's actually a ghost. I was going to say, are two, three, and four <laughs> Weekend at Bernie's style? Yeah. A reference I make having never seen Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs>